Romans 1, 1-17 Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his son, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and on behalf of his name, we receive grace and apostleship to call all those amongst the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are amongst those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being proclaimed all over the world. God, whom I serve with my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times, asking that now that at last by God's will I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, how often I plan to come to you, but have been prevented from visiting until now, in order that I might have a harvest amongst you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. For the gospel reveals the righteousness of God that comes by faith from start to finish, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Thanks for that reading, Doug. If you haven't just joined us, uh, welcome again. It's really great to have you with us, whether this is your first time or whether you're a regular on our online services. Um, we are in strange times. We know that we'd rather be meeting together, but isn't it great that even though there are restrictions, as the Apostle Paul could say, the word of the Lord is not changed. So we're going to commit this time in prayer to the Lord as we uh, look at this, his word. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit is going to really speak to us individually and collectively as we look at what it means to be an unashamed follower of King Jesus, an unashamed disciple of Christ. So let us just pray together and ask for him to come and speak to us now. Lord, we thank you. Lord, that you don't make mistakes. Lord, you knew you went ahead of us as that good shepherd. And Lord, that you've uh, ordained this season. And uh, Lord, we, we confess we don't understand everything that's going on at the moment, but we thank you that you do. And we thank you, Lord, that you've got the whole world in your hands, as we often say and sing. And let us really pray that as we look at this, your word right now, that, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, if there's anything again from the speaker that's not from you, Lord, we pray that you would just eliminate that from our memories. And that the only thing that's left will be those diamonds, those gems of truth, Holy Spirit of truth. We invite you as our teacher to go deep 
to really wrestle with us, Lord. And may we be open, may we be teachable. And above all, may we be hearers and doers for your glory. So bless us now as we consider uh, this text from this amazing letter from Paul to the church at Rome. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking in our series. This is week three. If you didn't know, and please, if this is your first time, do go back and look at the intro uh, from the 10th of January, where we did an overview of this seven-week series called Unashamed. We're looking at what it means to be an unashamed follower of Jesus. And what we're doing to do that is we're looking at some snapshot texts from Paul's letter to the church at Rome. And what was great about that church is they weren't simply surviving, we said a couple of weeks ago in the overview, but they were actually thriving in verse 8 of chapter 1. In fact, it was in that reading that Doug read to us. Paul says, your faith has been reported all over the world. Now, I'm amazed at that. You know, we might say, well, in, in this day and age that we live in, we might say, well, yeah, we have the internet and, you know, churches go online and we can look at services from all over the globe. But actually, here was a church in the heat of Rome, in the heart of the then superpower of the then known world with no internet, nothing. And Paul says, your faith's been reported all over the world. And the challenge for us might be, even now with this kind of lockdown and all the issues that we have, is that it might be easy for us to go into survival mode, to just think, well, all I need to do is to, is to get through. Uh, but what's really wonderful is this church in, in, in the heart of increasing tension and persecution. Uh, remember there's that young emperor who's 19 years old, Nero, is on the throne and it's ramping up against Christ's people. It's going to be another half a dozen years or so until it's really, really getting physical, but it's, it's still difficult. But it's in this actual environment that Paul's able to say, you know, your faith's known all over the world. And so it's interesting that the believers here needed to know how they might be viral Christ followers. You know, as they stood and declared Jesus is Lord in a world where Caesar was declared to be Lord amongst the Romans and amongst those who followed Judaism, of course, Yahweh was Lord. It wasn't easy to stand up and do that. In fact, you know, we might think and just read something like, well, of course, you know, we just say Jesus is Lord. Isn't that just a declaration? And, but the, the key thing is, is, you know, it, it, it was a dangerous hobby to do it in those days. You know, this is why Paul can say to the Corinthian church, you know, no one can say Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit enables them to. Now, we might think today, well, what does he mean by that? You know, it's so easy. Maybe I could just walk along very casually. But I guess what Paul could have said in this Greco-Roman context, equally to the church at Rome, is no one can risk their life and stand up in an arena where Caesar is Lord or Yahweh is Lord and suddenly declare, you know, Jesus is Lord. And that takes real spirit-anointed courage. And here was the church at Rome that was standing, that was being viral. They weren't surviving. Their faith was being reported all over the world. And we want to kind of, over these coming weeks, this is week three out of seven, we want to look at what it means to be a viral follower of Jesus. You know, how did they do this? How might we do this? What are some of the gems we can kind of mine out of some of these early chapters of Paul's letter to the Romans? 
What qualities and characteristics will the, uh, the, the Christ followers in the church at Rome need and need to demonstrate and possess in order to keep going? And things are going to get worse. And it's so wonderful to see this in this letter. And I pray it really encourages us because it's so relevant for us today, isn't it? Isn't it true to say that we live with a, in a world of turmoil? In that we're in the middle of a pandemic. And even now with the current superpower, apparently the US, in complete crisis. And as Christ followers today, uh, we're called to model a better king, a better master, a better way. And so last week what we saw, uh, we saw uh, Jim kick us off with, with the kind of first real quality. Uh, and, and what Jim brought to us last week was from the very first verse of Romans. Paul says that Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus. And we saw that being a disciple, being a Christ follower, starts, must start with a servant heart. Or moreover, as we heard last week, a slave heart, a doulos heart. And several times, Paul reminds his churches, not just the church at Rome, but he uses this imagery that would be oh so familiar to the churches. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19b to 20, you are no longer your own, you have been bought at a price. And here in, 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 in his letter to the church at Rome, in chapter 6, verse 22, uh, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, he, he speaks to them about. Of course, Jesus, we know, before this would say, whoever wants to become great must become the slave of all. And this would be an everyday example to the, the church at Rome and at Corinth in the Greek or Roman world. They would be used to this. In fact, Paul says in Romans 6.19, I'm using everyday examples so you can really understand what it means to be a servant of King Jesus. And one of the everyday examples was this slave picture. So the church, you see, they, they, all the churches in that region would be used to the great Roman processions. The armies coming back from their battlefields in victory. And behind them would be their spoils and also the, the, the slaves they'd captured. And they would parade it and it was, it was quite something. And this is why Paul again can say to the church at Corinth, you know, but we as his followers, Christ leads us in triumphant procession. We have a different master, a, a, a better master. But you see, Paul is also keen to differentiate what being a slave of Christ is like, as we saw last week. So Paul often introduces himself as a bond servant. Paul, a bond servant, a willing servant of Christ Jesus. In fact, he, he, metaphors and pictures can only go so far so later on in chapter 8 of Romans he's going to say you know the spirit you receive does not make you slaves it's not a contradiction so that you live in fear again but rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry Abba Father see Paul says you know you're a slave who's, who doesn't serve out of oppression because we could get the wrong idea and think, oh, is it maybe that, you know, I'm going to be enslaved and it's quite oppressive and God's already angry with you. But this is about, it's, it's in response to love. And this is why John can say, can't he? We love him because he first loved us. And so we saw last week that a Christ follower primarily starts with a servant heart. We summarised by saying, it's not about me. And if I come into this Christ following, knowing that 
then, then it, it makes everything, it puts everything in perspective because it's all about submitting to others, consider others better than yourself, etc. And so today, what we see is an unashamed Christ follower as we, we move on. Actually, they know the gospel they communicate, the story they are part of. And we asked some really essential questions last week about, do you know the story you're part of? Because this is so essential. Because we, uh, wherever we're at with Jesus today, we are all, if you like, products of the gospel we said yes to. The gospel we first responded to. Because clearly the gospel we declare will determine the sort of disciples we make. And a couple of weeks ago, we were challenged to write down our understanding of the gospel. And I hope you enjoyed the videos. And it's been really great to work with a few people, uh, including Graham and Fran and, and others, where we've just been asking this question, wrestle with this. And I really appreciate the emails that you've been sending us. Please do keep them coming in. It's really helpful as you wrestle and work this out. It's important, we were challenged a couple of weeks ago to write down our understanding of the gospel, to summarise our understanding of the, or maybe to summarise our understanding of the gospel in one minute. And then ask ourselves when we read it back or listen to it back, whatever way we want to do that, what sort of disciple or follower will our gospel create? What a question that is. See, it's really important with these things in mind to, to work out. You know, and Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trouble. He's not talking about some gospel of works here. But he's talking about understanding the great big story, understanding where we got where we are, what we're part of. You know, the, the Greek word for disciple is mathetes. And what's, what's interesting about that, it has the same root, you might know with the title, of maths. Now, I was not great at maths, I'm okay at arithmetic, but I wasn't amazing at maths. But what is kind of forgiving about maths as a subject, I guess, and I know some of you love this and it's amazing, is that you get marks for the working out. Even if the answer is wrong, they say, whatever you do, I remember a tutor saying this to me, it was hopeless really for me, but saying, look, whatever you do, show your working out because even if the answer is not quite right then, we'll understand how you got there. And it can be the truth for us as, as a Mathetes. What we need to do is work our salvation. So basically, we know the answers, Jesus. Whatever life's question is for you, whatever the, the struggles you have in life, can I say the answer is Jesus? But it's so important as a viral follower of Jesus, as an unashamed follower, that we work it out, that we work out the story we're part of. Why is Jesus the answer? It's so important. I thank God he's given us that kind of faculty to say, Lord, yeah, it's all of grace. It's free and I love it and I accept it as it is. But Lord, thank you that I can wrestle with this. I can work it out as a Mathetes, as a disciple of yours. It's really key to do that. See, Otherwise, what we can do is we can have some kind of just acceptance. However, we came to Christ, and in some ways that's quite endearing, but we're called to really think about what is the gospel that we are to communicate. And today is, you know, an unashamed disciple knows the gospel they communicate. Because there's a danger that simply we can create a kind of half-baked thing. Maybe we can kind of, um, I don't know, we we. we create a forgiveness only gospel which says all you've got to do is is agree this 
And it's as beautiful as it is with John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Beautiful. But there's a danger that, okay, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to serve in church until Jesus comes. And what that can create is a forgiveness only gospel where following Jesus is kind of an optional might. A bit like your mobile phone contract. I've said that before where maybe, you know, you, you change, you upgrade and then they'll say, do you like the insurance? And you go, ah, no, I think I'll, I'll be okay. Following Jesus isn't some kind of contractual option. But if we have a forgiveness only gospel, and that's what we've responded to, then it might not be a surprise that actually that is kind of uh, the kind of depth of our following, or there's an option to not follow if you win. And, and there's several gospels, I can't go into detail all of them now, and it's been great to get your emails. But it's important, I want to leave that tension, because it means we're working it out. But just, just to be brief on this, maybe it's not a forgiveness only gospel. Maybe we responded or we're more at home with a social gospel, what we'd call a gospel of the left. And what sort of disciple does that create? Well, it creates, it, it creates a disciple of detached social action. That, that's kind of that sort of thing. Or maybe uh, you've heard of the prosperity gospel, which is me-centered, where it's all about my life and, and, and Jesus following me and God blessing me and all that kind of thing. And that, what sort of disciple will that create? Well, it creates one of entitlement. This is what I'm entitled to. Or maybe a consumer gospel. I'm sure you've heard a whole cocktail of these somewhere. And these are all good people, usually, anyway, at least. And it just, it's just so easy to twist the whole narrative about us. And the consumer gospel is the one that meets my needs. Come to Jesus and get your needs met. And that creates a disciple of self-indulgence. And what happens there? You know, Jesus, I've invited Jesus into my life again. Remember the language? You know, I'm not following him. He's kind of following me. And what that creates is, is this kind of self-indulgence and mix that in with a, a bit of a cocktail with prosperity and entitlement. All that happens, life goes wrong and it's just not great. Then God somehow reneged on his contract. And so I'm going to move on or try and find a place. Uh, maybe I feel better about what this all means again. Or maybe, what about the gospel of the right? We don't want to leave this one out. This is popular coming to a church near you soon. It's where being right is all that matters. The kind of gatekeepers of orthodoxy, where everything is analysed. And it's great to be like the Bereans, where we rush away and check scripture and make sure I mean, every line of every song, you know, you've seen this, you've heard this. Where being right, all it is is about getting theological agreement. And what sort of disciple does that create? It creates dryness, if, if by itself it can create a theological swagger. And so each one of these in itself can come into the kind of messages we hear. So it's so essential that we as Christ followers understand and communicate the gospel we are to declare. And ask ourselves when you've written that down, uh, whatever it might be, that you know, what sort of disciple am I creating? Because what we see here is a much grander thing. We see a, a gospel of the cross and the kingdom, which brings it all together in this glorious story. Because Paul here is absolutely certain about the gospel he communicates. He's not kind of guessing it and making it all about him. He's already said at the beginning last week, you know, Paul, a bondservant. 
I'm happily serving the greatest master in the, in, in the world, universe. But Paul is certain about the gospel. And we see here in a couple of ways how he's certain about that. It says, Paul, verse 1 of chapter 1, a servant of Christ Jesus, a bond servant, a doulos, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And here it is. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. See, Paul had his Bible. He didn't have your Bible or my Bible with the New Testament. He had his Old Testament. And what Paul saw in the gospel, this glorious gospel, was it, it wasn't a new story. But it was a story that he discovered, that was revealed to him. And so we can see firstly that actually the story, the grand story we're part of, if you haven't got this part, it, it starts in the Old Testament. It starts in the, in the grand story of the Bible right from the beginning of Genesis. The gospel narrative starts here, says Paul, it says, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. You know, I just want you to imagine right now. You're walking along and, 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 you, and you find a couple of chapters of a book on the floor. Maybe you're in a park or you're just walking along and you start reading them and you're quite intrigued. You get into it. And then maybe imagine just trying to do a book review. You've only found the two chapters. You don't know the introduction. You don't know the middle bit. You haven't even got the conclusion. You've got these two chapters and you try and do a, a, a book review or, or, or talk about the plot or try and understand it, the story. But you see, that's exactly what happens when we focus on isolated texts or parts of Scripture. If I'm just going to focus on a, what we do is we come to the cross and you're forgiven and you go to heaven. Well, you see, that doesn't give me the grand story that I'm being called into. And we have to ask ourselves, and kind of in a couple of weeks, Jim is next week, and we were excited about, he's going to be looking at what, you know, basically a disciple is is one who has righteous living. But in a couple of weeks from now, we're going to be looking at, you know, almost a theology of discipleship, that God's tried and tested method is he calls us into his story. And the key thing here is that it's so important for us to know the story we're part of. You know, if we just have this kind of John 3.16 mentality, as amazing and glorious as that is, you know, it gives us issues. If we read the Gospels, we'll ask yourself a question. When were the, when were the disciples saved? If it's about a decision, instantly, always. And that can get some conversation, I hope, in your, maybe in your families or in your groups. And in a couple of weeks, well, I want to unpack that because it's, it's so important as we unpack the glorious story of God, God's story, history. That's what history is, his story. It just thrills our heart. And, and do you know what's great about it is the gospel of the cross and justification by faith and all the wonderful things we treasure are intact. But they're inserted into the grander narrative that just thrills our heart and fuels our worship. And so can you just imagine we, we, that if we just found these chapters and tried to understand the whole and said, well, no, I'll just live by that. You know, when I came to know Jesus, I think I mentioned it uh, before. I've certainly mentioned it in conversations. I was given a book and, and I thought this book was the Bible. Uh, it was Matthew's gospel. And, and I thought it was the whole thing. But I soon realized that it, that it wasn't. But even what was great about Matthew's gospel is that when I started reading it, 
it's uh, you, if you read Matthew's Gospel, you know there's a kind of family tree at the beginning that was important to the Jewish audience it was written for primarily. And, and so we see that actually uh, there's a family tree and so which proves the line of Jesus and it's beautiful and it has a whole array of people in there and yeah, it's, it's brilliant. But when I read that, as soon as I read those opening verses and saw that family tree, you know, I had a desire to know the story. How was I going to be inserted into the family of God if he calls me like he calls them? What was that about? Who is, who is this Abraham and, and, and Ruth and Rahab and, and, and David? And who, who are these people? Now, I could have said, well, let's just stick with the New Testament and Psalms, you know, and maybe guessed and said, well, it doesn't matter, does it? It really matters that we know the gospel we communicate. And Paul here says to the church at Rome, you know, it's there in the scriptures. It's there. It, it's, it's glorious and it's revealed to us. And so it's so important that, you know, that we understand that we know the story we're part of. You know, I, Jesus had died for me. I was so excited about that. But and I, and I accepted the cross and I didn't know anything. And I had one book, Matthew's Gospel. That's all I had. But his spirit within me, his Holy Spirit, which he gives everyone who confesses him as Saviour and Lord. His spirit comes to live inside. And he, his spirit gave me a thirst to know the grander gospel narrative. So when I started to see and understand the grander gospel narrative, I was motivated to share it wherever. And I wanted it to be the whole story, you know, because you need to be forgiven because uh, God's not happy with you. It's not a whole story. It was so key that wherever and whenever, it's quite funny, people uh, uh, sometimes said to me, you know, where you've shared the gospel, has there been any memorable times you've shared the gospel? Wow, yeah. I remember I came to Christ at 16 and some of you know that I joined the military a year later as a Christ follower and that wasn't easy. And um, I remember one time, particular time, I was uh, on an assault course and at this particular part of an assault course, we came to this tube and it was horrible. It was a really narrow tube and you could get kind of four guys head to feet at any one time in the tube. You couldn't just wait for someone. And what was really great, what they didn't tell you, so it was through a hill as well, so it's within about a foot, it was pitch black, and it's probably, so it's about 25 feet long. And um, yeah, what they didn't tell you is that when you got in the tube, and as you was going along, you had to go in on your back, and, and, and your nose was touching the top of the concrete, so it, it, the guy front, guy behind, if he was in the middle like I was, and um, there was a guy in front of me called Eric. He was a great guy, uh, liked Eric, but you know, he was chunky. He was, he was quite, quite a well-built guy, and which I should have maybe thought about a bit. And this tube was quite narrow. And what they didn't tell you, which was worse, was in the middle, it went to a bit of a cone. And, and so what you had to do was work it out. And what you had to do was turn on your side and, and kind of edge out. Anyway, Eric got stuck like a cock in a bottle. And he was screaming. I mean, he, he was really, really panicking. And I get it. And, and I was behind him and I was, my head was really close to him everywhere. And the, the physical training instructors got all excited, started shouting at us and things. Like, just to encourage us, you know, <laughs> motivation. And um, 
it was difficult and they were like who's behind him it's like me that buster and um anyway it was they were shouting anyway we were probably about 15 minutes i guess yeah it was working out what to do and um i guess there's only one thing worse than being stuck in a concrete tube and that's been stuck in a concrete tube with a christ follower a christian yeah and um it's kind of double whammy <laughs> gosh but you see, I, a year before I'd had a kind of baptism and I'd, the guy had a word over me, you know, people say that, don't they? And um, said, oh, one day, Keith, I'd been a Christian a week. This was crazy. He said, one day you're going to be a pastor, all this sort of thing. Anyway, just to encourage Eric, I said, well, Eric, you know, I became a Christian a year ago and this guy said this over me about my future. So I think I'm going to get out. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> Don't do that, it's really rotten. But it was tough, you know, but what was great, we actually had about 15 minutes, but in there we, I was able to share the gospel, what would happen if? Because it was a really tricky situation. Now, not right away, there was too much trauma involved. The PTI went in the front end of the night to push him out and we got him out. It's great and it's all pretty traumatic, but yeah, he came to Jesus genuinely. He did, he came to Jesus on the night we prayed and. You know, uh, later on, I found out that he was, he, he left, actually, it was all a bit much, I can, I get that. Um, but actually, he ended up marrying a Christian, a Christ-following girl, and they're still married today. But what was there, the, the gospel in there was not just about, oh, you need to go to heaven, you better get right now, you're going to heaven. This was all about, you know, we can be part of a grander story and know that story. And so, you know, it's so easy, isn't it? The question I've got is, you know, do we know the story we're part of? That actually the gospel, it starts right back there in the scriptures Paul had. It starts right back, this wonderful narrative. See, it's, it's easy. There's a danger that we will reduce this grand meta-narrative, the great big story of the gospel, to some personal transaction. And as wonderful as the plan of salvation, I like to differentiate between that and the gospel, is you know we need to be right with God he's made that possible which starts at the cross there is a wonderful grander gospel narrative that starts in the old testament and Paul says that here so he says you know the gospel promised beforehand in the holy scriptures and here it, that's what he says first second the gospel is completely fulfilled in Jesus so we're not jettisoned of course you can't but he says you know in Romans 1 verse 3 and 4 it's a gospel which was kind of you know projected and foretold in the scriptures but it's regarding his son this gospel is regarding his son jesus who as to his earthly life was a descendant of david who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of god in power by his resurrection from the dead jesus christ our lord resurrection that was a loaded word for paul remember he was an ex-pharisee Pharisees were looking for the resurrection they were looking for the fulfillment of that when they saw resurrection they saw kingdom of God so for Paul all of a sudden his whole Bible that he was zealous for made perfect sense he'd been searching you see it's easy to think that Paul was somehow following this religion called Judaism and you know that was really not really great and what happened when he met Jesus in Acts chapter 9 on the Damascus Road read it that's Paul's Jesus Christ encounter when he met him that he just jettisoned everything and just was like oh okay so this is the new way now it all starts i've got to kind of restart the whole thing not at all you see this changed everything uh, for paul because he was already looking for god's plan but he was blinded by the fact that his own religion and his own ways and laws and rules 
And so Paul had this uh, end game. He was looking for Messiah. And Messiah, when he comes, it will be, he would start the kingdom of God will be inaugurated. And one of the great signs of that would be the resurrection. And so Paul says here really, really clearly, and regarding his son, as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Kyrios, our Lord. What a statement from one who opposed the church, who persecuted the church. And so this was so great because what Paul did here, this changed everything. So not only the incredible encounter with Christ, which of course would change everything, but coming to a realisation that a resurrected Christ meant the new kingdom rule of God had started. Jesus was Messiah. And so all that Paul had, he could now project and say, oh my goodness. And he was still having to work it out later on. The crucifixion, a crucified Messiah was the great big stumbling. Remember Paul saying that? You know, the, the cross is, is, is a stumbling block to the Jews and it's folly to the Gentiles. And as soon as Paul had that Christ encounter with the resurrected Jesus, the kingdom of God was staring him in the face. And so was Messiah. And so Paul knew the story he was part of and Jesus made sense of everything that had gone before. And you know, you've got a life. Whether if you don't know Jesus yet, you know, can I say the answer is Jesus a bit earlier on. And my question to all of us is, have we had a Christ encounter? And a Christ encounter that makes sense. So for Paul, the gospel was about understanding the grand story of God. This was what it was always about for Paul. That ever since the fall in Genesis, God's plan was twofold. This is so important for today. The grand story. Ever since the fall in Genesis 3, God's plan was twofold. To bring a people to himself through his covenant promise. And to restore the whole cosmos and establish his kingdom rule as creator and Lord. That's being God's plan. This is so not about me. And so what a beautiful story that Paul was able to step into. And you see, the truth is, and, and, and please, I just pray the Spirit just sinks this into your heart as you work this out as a methetes or whether you're not yet a Christ follower. We were made and created to know the Creator since the beginning. But the trouble is the rebellion in us, natural rebellion. The my way stuff, I like to call it sometimes, has gotten in the way of knowing the creator we were made for. And that needed dealing with. And right through the Old Testament, God fashioned a plan. I like to call it the great reversal of the fall. To bring a people to himself. To restore his created order. To establish his kingdom. And this culminated, this plan of God in the Old Testament, culminated beautifully and powerfully and wonderfully at the cross when both were achieved through the cross god brings a people to himself men and women and young people and he establishes his kingdom order and calls us into that grand story that was from the beginning we could say like this christ's perfect life fulfilling the requirements of the law that we break every day so it's all fulfilled in jesus christ's death making it possible for us to know the father to be reconciled back to the father again but christ's resurrection that paul faced and had to admit 
conquering death and inaugurating, bringing in his kingdom rule. Where one day, you know, the angels in heaven, one of my favorite verses in Revelation 11, 15, the angels will declare one day when Jesus returns that the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and his Messiah. And so as Christ's followers today, we are called to obediently take our part in his story, to follow him, to be part of his kingdom people and kingdom project. To, to be able to access that through the covenant promise, through the new covenant in the blood of Christ. He's made it possible to enter the story and to then uh, be co-laborers, ambassadors, as we represent his kingdom here. Where one day he's going to return and consummate it completely. And so we're called to obediently take our part in his story, to be part of his kingdom and to be viral multipliers who are unashamed but you know to do that we need to know the gospel we communicate not a half-baked thing and so that's why Paul at the end of chapter one he says you know this is the great gospel at the beginning doesn't he he says it was it was told in the in, in my bible in the holy scriptures it's realized through Jesus the son absolutely impacted and affected at the cross and executed at the cross and he says in verse 16 and 17 of chapter 1, So you know what? I am not ashamed of this gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation, not just to Jews, to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. It's always been God's way. And maybe we could ask ourselves some questions right now. Do I know the story that I'm part of? What is my balance when I share this great gospel between the gospel of the cross, as glorious as that plan of salvation is, and the gospel of the kingdom, which is about a great ruler, people coming together? What is the balance I have in that? How might I start to communicate and articulate this to those around me? And so right now, just as we come to a close, you've been so patient, thank you. I want to invite you to take your place in God's story. Maybe you've never bowed the knee or, or maybe you're, you, you kind of said some prayer years ago and it was kind of one of those other gospels where it's created, what sort of disciple has that created? Maybe you've stalled. And I just want to pray right now that the Lord will just kind of come and Absolutely, the starting place is the cross. Praise you, Lord, for the cross that I can access and be reconciled to the Father. And I want to take my place in your story and I thank you, King Jesus, as I read my <laughs> scriptures right from the beginning and as I, I'm inserted into that narrative that the final chapters that have been written are, are going to be realised and you're going to come King Jesus, not as saviour anymore, but as judge and as Lord, coming for your church. And I want to be part of that, Lord. And in the meantime, you've called me to, to be part of that and to take my place in your body, the body of the church, your bride. You, you, you call me to take my place and to be an ambassador to represent your kingdom in this kingdom. And Lord, I want to do that because that's a narrative I could get excited about. So I really pray today. Let us just pray and maybe ask the Holy Spirit, come on, let's just have that time 
right now, Lord, we worship you. Lord, we, the story blows our mind. So often we think we've worked you out, we've caught you in our theological net. But Lord, thank you that you call us to be methetes, disciples who work out our salvation. Thank you that you've paid, it's free, but it's not cheap. It costs you the, your very son. And so Lord, I pray that we won't detach the chapters here and there of your glorious gospel. Great is the gospel of our glorious God. Thank you, Jesus. We pray for any who have never bowed the knee, Lord, that as they search diligently, that they will have a Christ encounter. That, Lord, as they meet you face to face, I pray by your Spirit's power who comes, that you would just draw them to yourself. And that, Lord, as they realise that rebellion and sin forgiven, as they then realise there's a part in your story for them. Oh, Lord, thank you. But, Lord, maybe for many, we've stalled, we've gone dry. We've just forgotten the story. Our own chapter, life chapter got so hard. I pray, Lord God, that you would do what you do best. That Holy Spirit, you'd visit us, you'd remind us of the story we're part of. And Lord, may we truly be able to communicate the gospel. We know, Lord, and might you remind us of that. So thank you so much, King Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we just want to give ourselves an offer to ourselves to you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Please do email us. It'd be great to hear from you and interact as you methetes as you work this out, keith.foster at waypointchurch.org.uk or jim.privet at waypointchurch.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Please do email and God bless you as maybe even in your life groups and your families, just in your own heart, you work this out and love, Lord, what is it that I've said yes to, Lord? Just remind me and might I go on from now just really knowing the gospel that I'm part of and you've called me to communicate. God bless. See you soon. Bye-bye.